Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is back for 2023, baby. Yeah, we kind of never left. We were kind of around, but this is the first time Andrew Page, Esquire, and I have recorded a podcast in 2023, and we are pretty pumped to be back. Mr. Page, good day. Happy New Year. And to you, mate, it's, uh, we've already wished our members a listen to Happy New Year, of course, because we have been putting out some pre-recorded stuff, but nice to see you in the flesh, at least via the Zoom machine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, how was, how was the break? Really nice, really nice. It's all. It's always good to. Um, well, it's, it's always nice to have a break, but I always think from an in, through an investing lens, it's just nice to step back a little bit and remind yourself really that the world will continue to spin if you're not yeah. reading every ASX <laughs> yeah, announcement. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like life goes on, and probably very, so very mentally healthy as well. So yeah, it was good. I've- Massive tangent to start with. I don't know, massive one. I've said before, and I'll say again, actually, one of the most amazing experiences, which is not particularly groundbreaking until you kind of think it through, but I've been in the US largely for work, actually. Um, not, for, not for many years now, of course, COVID was a thing. But, uh, but before that, and when you sleep through the market day, even, you know, even just that, you wake up in the morning and go, oh, so that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Versus actually kind of seeing the news, the rolling news, share price or whatever during the day. No, the market doesn't do anything differently. Just the f- literal factor outside the the thing. Or I, I did the Kokoda trek back in 2018 now. Wow, four and a bit years ago. Mm. Um, and the same thing. You kind of just just literally forced to disconnect. You come and go, oh, so that happened. Okay. Yeah. That's not a big deal. No big and deal. And yet during the time that the, the human... In- Ten, uh, you know, tendency to kind of go, oh, that's happening. Oh, no, that's happening. That's happening. Yeah. When you actually live it, you know, not on the ride, bare knuckle, makes a huge difference. Oh, it really does. And there's some instances where you'll see it too, like, you know, you'll you'll log on and um, bring up your watch list, click on something and go, oh, my God, it was down 10% of that period. Oh, it's back to where it was. And oh, that happened. <laughs> that's and right, then, exactly. Oh, it's all of it is doesn't mean yeah. anything. <laughs> I'm right, really glad right. I missed it all. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Just, um, yeah, just amazing. Anyway, mate, so welcome back. Glad to have you back. Um, our listeners hopefully are glad to have us both back. Of course, uh, before I go on, if you're new to the podcast, Andrew Page has his own business. <laughs> it's a business called strawman.com. And to start the year, I'm going to get this right. Okay. It's a... Um, oh, bugger. I've forgotten. Sorry. Oh, What's strawman again? Oh, you, I really thought you were going to say it for a second there. <laughs> no, none of the listeners did. <laughs> no, <laughs> got me troll. Um <laughs> Private Online Investment Club. We are. That's right. Man. Com. I, yeah. <laughs> I thought this year was going to be different. Turns out it's exactly the same as all the other years. Uh, our listeners are forgiven for thinking this is just a, an entire um, Groundhog Day podcast. But it's not. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Mate, um, let, so yes. And for those who don't know, by the way, I work for The Motley Fool. I'm the Chief Investment Officer in Australia of The Motley Fool. And we do this podcast every single week. We do two episodes a week. If you've just found us, if you're looking for news resolutions, we hope uh, this will be a useful uh, partner for you as you go about your investing journey. We try and bring you some news, some views, a bit of education, a bit of fun, uh, and basically just talk rubbish. And uh, if it's enjoyable, great. As we always say, if you're enjoying it, tell your friends. If not, just quietly Keep it to yourself. I, I, <laughs> so how, just, to, just to get started, mean tweet style. I had a bloke tweeted me and said, Scott, I wanted to like your podcast. I got 33 minutes through and I had to turn it off. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Go and do something else. Honestly, life's too short. You're not, don't, don't work for 33 minutes. If you're not enjoying it so far, turn off as well. Um, if you're enjoying it, then we're glad and thank you for, for spending time with us. Uh, I have, speaking of trolling, mate, I have to start by uh, mentioning the tweet that uh, you and I were, were party to only a day or so ago. We're recording this on Thursday, the 12th of January. We're, we generally record on Thursdays. Um, we had a, uh, uh, someone on, on Twitter who, who noticed that Bitcoin and other uh, 
things, tokens, were included under the heading cryptocurrencies. And, uh, and the tweeter hit us both up on Twitter and said, uh, Andrew, should I let them know that that's wrong, that Bitcoin is not really a cryptocurrency? And, uh, it, 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 and <laughs> to which I replied and he said, oh, Andrew, it won't take the bait, surely. I oh, took the bait. Second day, sorry. I did, <laughs> I, did, I did look at it and go, no, don't say anything. Don't. And I, that, that thought lasted half a second. I thought, no, I'm in. I'm, in. I'm, so taking, I'm taking that bait. <laughs> if you are looking for someone to follow on any of the socials, let's get that out of the way and then we'll get on with the podcast, mate. Um, you can follow Andrew at sage underscore Simeon or at Strawman Invest exclusively on Elon Musk's private playground, Twitter. Uh, you can get me on Twitter or Insta at TMF Scott P or The Motley Fool at The Motley Fool AU. I'm on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Scott Phillips Money and I'm on Mastodon, which no one cares about, but uh, uh, you can find me on Mastodon as well. Mate, um, also, we're going to have a mailbag episode this Sunday, as we always do. And if you have a question, hit us up on any of those platforms or just simply email us, info, I-N-F-O, at fool.com.au. Mate, it's been a good start to the year. Yeah. As we sit here on uh, on Thursday morning, the 12th, as I've already just said, uh, the market is up 3.86% for the year. Now... If you take the average yearly gain of nine-ish percent, maybe 10, you say, okay, well, four, four and a half percent, that's probably dividends. You're back to an average capital gain of somewhere between four and a half and five and a half. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. done almost that already. It's probably time to close up shop and go away for the rest of the year, isn't it? Yeah, I, I feel as though this is good as it gets, right? So let's say <laughs> enjoy it and, and uh, take it. it oh, as good as um, it gets. Are you forecasting a market decline from here? No, I'm I'm not, but I just I I feel after oh, I thought a, I had you for a, the- a very rough couple of years. I don't I'm I'm smart <laughs> enough to I'm I'm, I'm I'm dumb enough to not be able to forecast, but I'm smart enough to know that it's not worth trying. Um, <laughs> nice, but but it's it's not it's not just that the market has had a really good start to the year. It's it's also mm. that the market really ain't that far away from all time record highs, which we hit in right. I want to say sort of August of 2021. The ASX 200 got to 7,600 or so. We're about 7,200 mm-hmm. at the moment. So it's really not that. It's a sort of a stone's throw away given- Striking distance stuff, yeah. Yeah, all of the headlines that are sort of out there and we might get into some in a moment, but that it, it just seems like, wow, things are holding up spectacularly well. People calling for global recessions and inflation at record highs and interest rates increasing at the fastest pace. It's just- you know, it's not that not that I'm saying, oh, it should be down fifty percent or something like that. It's just like, oh, we're only that far down. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just remarkable. It's noteworthy. It is, mate. Let's um, let, let's get to some of that stuff you just mentioned then, because only Wednesday, two days ago, when you're listening to this, yesterday our time, uh, the inflation note came out. I was surprised, mate. I'm an optimist, right? You know that, so I'm mm. I'm probably always going to hope, <laughs> maybe maybe sometimes without sufficient justification, that things are going to be better than they are. Um, but we saw inflation at 7.3% yesterday. That was higher than it had been in the past when a lot of people were expecting it to flat on or maybe start to decline. The last monthly number we saw had actually been a decline. So people were like, okay, well, we're seeing some sort of declines. Maybe possibly we're through this now. Mm. And then the ABS came out yesterday and went, no, <laughs> no, uh, it's going to get worse. I saw, um, we'll, get to, we'll get to what the Reserve Bank might do, but um, there were some statements yesterday only that, you know, people saying, well, maybe the ABS is going to go half a percent. In February, mm. which would be which would be something given they've had they went a quarter in December, they had January off. Whether they feel like they've got stuff to catch up on or whether they do or don't, that's mm. an open question. What I thought they might was worth talking about just from a market perspective, and not because there's anything to do about it, but it does talk to the way markets operate. 
The inflation number, worse than expected, uh, highest in decades and decades and decades, an increase in the last one. These are all unquestionably bad things economically. And I guess unless you've got some sort of inflation-linked investment product somehow <laughs> or something. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, it's bad news. The, and, and despite that, despite that, the market fell a touch for about 15 minutes and then went back on its merry way and closed even higher than it was before those numbers were out. Now, mm. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say to you, I, I reckon if that was four months ago and when those inflation numbers came out, the market would have fallen 2.5% in a day. Yeah. Oh my God, the world's ending rates are going to go up. <clears throat> oh my God, we're, you know, we're not ready for this. Uh, this is terrible news. I can't believe it's terrible. Sell everything, mm. sell everything, sell everything. Run away, run away. And this time around, worse numbers, <laughs> worse than expected. All those things that would have been true three, four, five months ago. And yet the market dropped a little bit for a short amount of time and finished higher. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, it's it's when you when people say, you know, what impact will X have on the market? Mm. There's the rational, logical, theoretical answer. And then there's the reality that the animal spirits just do what the animal spirits do. Sometimes they're scared as hell. Other times it's like, <laughs> what lion? We're, we're having a party over here. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's 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 really weird, and it's and it's always fun to watch the uh, financial journos explain it after the fact. <laughs> yeah. so you, you see, oftentimes you see like the same phenomena used to sort of um, explain completely different directions in the market. You know, <laughs> um, oil price was down. Oh, oil price was up. That means higher energy prices. It's harder for companies. So it was down. You know, so push the market down. Same exact yeah. thing happens. And it, it's kind of like, oh, no, this is great for the energy sector, which overall helped push the market up. It's like, wait a second. You know, it's sort of <laughs> just, it's, it's, we love to, we love, to, as I've often said, we love to have really clear narratives whether they're true or not they just they sort of need to sort of resonate in a sense and yeah in in all other circumstances you would have thought that this is this is something (laughs) that the market's not going to react well to and then exact sort of opposite happened and then again people like oh well you know i guess some people were were pretty much (laughs) used to it we're already going to a higher rate environment righty righty right so so it's it's interesting (laughs) yeah Sometimes, by the way, those things are true. And I think this is, I, I, I tweeted out three days ago or so. So have a look. Oh, I put it on Facebook as well. So jump on one of the socials. Um, it, it, it's a, just a copy of a, an article entitled The First Totally Honest Stock Market Story. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it's great, isn't it? And it's not, not yeah. mine. It's old. I, actually, it's written by some nom de plume, funny, you know, byline. I haven't been, I haven't, didn't see the source of it. I don't know if it's known or not. Um, and it's a, like, it's a, it's a PDO, it's a, yeah, picture of a photocopy of an old article that was printed. So it's, you know, but it's readable. It's absolutely readable. Um, and I'm just going to read the first couple lines just for the, just for sheer amusement. Uh, the market rallied early this morning for reasons nobody understands and nobody predicted. CNBC analysts confidently asserted it had something to do with the Senegalese money supply, but others pointed to revised monthly figures showing a poor tuna haul off the Peruvian coast. <laughs> the Dow turned down late in late morning. Uh, so in late morning, due to profit taking, which is a meaningless phrase we financial journalists use when we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Around noontime, the tech stocks rallied, perhaps the result of profit giving, question mark, before a late wave of selling sent stocks lower. The wave of selling in brackets was miraculously met by a wave of buying since in each transaction, there is one buyer and one seller. <laughs> all in all, it was a normal day on Wall Street. Advances led declines by four to one. The bond market was incomprehensibly boring. The Mets beat the Phillies six to two and Kate's Winslet's measurements remained 35, 29, 38. <laughs> and I just thought it was a really, so you do yourself a favour. It's very, very, very funny. Um, ha- have a look at that. But to your point, mate, that's, that was a just, it reminded me because that's exactly what's going on. Um, mm. I mean, sometimes there are, you know, that's the other thing I think too, mate, is we kind of bag the journos sometimes and i think that's probably right some of the time but 
the reality is the journos are kind of reporting what frankly people like you and i not actually us thankfully are saying out there right that that's almost things like when, when someone says what's going on they get an answer and i i'm i'm not even sure the answers are always wrong mm. i think what i think what the issue is, is is almost to your point before and my point about sentiment is sometimes the exact same things do provoke different results which doesn't mean that they're wrong in terms of what happened well the market was excited because oil was up but wasn't the market disappointed when oil was down last week yes i'm not sure if the journos are wrong or just reminds us that the market is stupid quite honestly yeah i i just i I think it's also too we just we we um we look for explanations in everything not just in markets but in but in life in 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 general and it's just it's Mm. never going to resonate to sort of say look, there was, you know, millions of individual participants operating under their own set of circumstances and with their own unique goals. And that just so happened that buyers were more aggressive than sellers on a given day. I mean, that's that's just a very unsatisfying answer. It's the true one. And whatever the nuance is behind all of that, we can sort of guess to. And that's that's what sort yeah. of happens. But we're storytelling creatures. We want to we yeah. wrap something around it. And, uh <clears throat> You know, I, 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 I remember a long time ago. It's kind of my job. I used to do a lot of TV crosses and stuff, and and mm. you you'd go into work, you would check it out. Something was up, and then back when they had Sky Business back in the day, and they'd say, Andrew, why did this happen? And I just pulled it right out of my backside. <laughs> I didn't know. It just it had to sound good. I was like, geez. Yep. And then and then what what you do, which is what everyone does, is you start googling around and said, oh, that person said that. Yeah. So you, you get what this. What did someone else say? Yeah, that's right. It's like a Chinese whispers kind of phenomena as well. And it's just like, no one was ever going to say, oh, that's wrong. That's not the reason. It's just like, yeah, yeah that sounds yeah. sounds good. Um, but it just it just really, it made me very cynical actually because it just, got to show you what, what kind of nonsense it, it sort of was. And then there's mm. particularly, it depends on the kind yeah, exactly. of nature of your, your portfolio. But as I've often said, I mean, I'm very much in small cap land. So they, I've, it's very common for me to, to see my portfolio go the opposite direction of of the markets, <laughs> good, for good and bad, you know, the market may be up because yeah, you know there's yeah. such a big weighting of of BHP and Rio in there. So something happens with commodity prices, can actually lift the whole thing. Doesn't yeah. doesn't help me one one lick, you know, uh, and vice versa. And and so it 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 kind of not only was it sort of um, uh, very unsatisfying in the explanations and that offered, but it's also just irrelevant really to to yeah. what. Yeah. is in my personal circumstance and not that it's i'm not trying to say well it's all about me and that's the only thing that matters but i think <laughs> that's that's true for all investors i mean really what happened yeah. the mar- the market whatever it did how relevant is that to you if your mm-hmm. if your portfolio is of a different character you know maybe, maybe you don't have the same weightings and chances are you don't have the same weightings as the asx 200 <laughs> in your portfolio you know so it's it's mm-hmm. more about what happens to your individual investments, that's a really, really important thing. I mean, the ASX could fall thirty percent tomorrow. Is you know, and there's every chance that that mine doesn't do anywhere near the same degree, or vice versa. You know, it's it's sort of like it just it's I don't know. It's 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 like a bunch of climate scientists obsessing over what the weather was on Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday. It's like no, everyone just needs to take a breath and, and step back and look at the bigger picture. <laughs> that's right. I think that's right, man. I think you know. I think that's why I just want to make the point because I think we we bag journos or even even you know you bag yourself for doing it on TV. I, I do the same regularly, mm. uh, and I, I try when I'm asked to actually you know I'm lucky enough to be late enough in my career that I normally say 
I don't know, or the market has been stupid, or good question, I don't know either, but here's what people are saying, yeah. or you know, here's what's more yeah. important. And so I think we do have sometimes have the opportunity to do these a little bit differently. But I think what I'm what I'm most I think what I'm most I just want to make the point, I suppose, that even if you do understand what the market did and why, it doesn't make it right. Mm. Which is kind of your point about the weather on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mm. thing. If you know, let's say we could actually work it out. Let's say we could ask everybody and get a poll, and every day we said, "Why is the market up there?" Well, I, I sold BHP for a higher price because I thought X, mm. and tomorrow I think Y. And that's you know, the even if they knew, if they even if the, the journalism for all we know could be one hundred percent accurate, mm. which is almost worse because it just reminds you that no one in the market knows what's going on. They they're fickle. They change their minds. That's kind of the story of of what happens, right? Mm. And that's almost as I said. That's almost the point I wanted to make was just exactly that bit of maybe that's the big the bigger story is not the journos are wrong but maybe actually the journos are right and that's a whole lot scarier in my mind <laughs> well we're wrong to ask i think uh, a lot of the time is probably yeah, where that's the, true. the blame lies you know it's, yes. it's like yes. we, again we we demand they they're only serving us up what what we want yeah 100% you know so and that, that's I, I think that i think that's a really good point mate because that's honestly and and i've said this regularly you know and you say wrong to ask i think I think there are. I think we shouldn't ask. I don't think. I, I just. I guess I'm not saying you said anything differently, but I would probably just just pass that slightly because people ask because they're worried, they're concerned, they they think maybe someone does know, they would like to know there was an answer, so they felt a bit more comfortable about what's going on. Mm. This share fell. Should I be worried? If you could tell me what happened, that'd be nice. At least I can decide whether to worry or not. And I get that, you know, because yeah. sometimes the answer might be actually. Uh, you know, uh, Phillips Page Incorporated uh, when you know announced they've only got three days of cash left uh, and the shares are down forty eight percent. That's worth knowing, right? Some things yeah. are genuinely worth knowing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but most of it is just your your favourite phrase from from J P Morgan. Uh, it will fluctuate. There we go. Yeah. So uh, we started the year with a bank. Mate's <laughs> up. Yes. So let, let's move on from that. I just, I just wanted to, you know, I don't, I don't blame people for wanting to know or believing. That's the other thing. But people ask in part because they are conditioned to believe we have the answers. Mm. You read these articles for five days. Day six, you say, what about today then, guys? Um, yeah. You know, is it wrong? Yes. Are people wrong to ask? Probably not because they kind of, you know, we, we tend to believe those people with expensive suits and expensive cars and, you know, sitting in glass, glass towers, you know, prognosticate about what's going to happen on the market. Maybe the, the key point is you're not wrong to ask, just don't because <laughs> those people don't know. You're not going to get a great answer. Yeah. Mate, speaking of uh, speaking of expensive people and expensive suits and cars, billionaire bromances. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what 2023 is going to bring, but uh, Twiggy and Mike Cannon-Brooks seem to have had a fight. Yeah, so this is all to do with Sun Cable, a very ambitious mm. project to export solar energy uh, to Singapore through an underground mm -hmm. cable. And um, we don't know a lot, do we? Because they haven't we sort of not. released details other than they're sort of going yeah. their, sep their separate ways and it's it's sort of going to be wound up at least in its in its current form. And <clears throat> we can only mm. speculate as, as to what's gone on. But yeah, clearly, clearly um, there's a bit of trouble in paradise. It's a, a fascinating one, mate. The um, yeah, this is and this is this is a mega project, thirty billion dollar project. If this gets to completion, um, solar panels the size of twelve thousand football fields. Amazing. Which I actually can't. I mean, you, you can, they kind of use those those things because the football field's big, and so you kind of get a sense of scale. I can't actually conceptualize twelve thousand football. I, I just I don't. Yeah. I kind of yeah. My head goes to about I don't know. I go a dozen in each direction, and then I kind of get lost. But 12,000 football fields is just massive. This whole idea of what um, what might happen, what, what they might do. They're hoping to power Darwin and then Singapore, which is, again, like really cool. If, you, if you're a believer in, in, in action on climate change, if you believe that, you know, innovation and, and kind of, you know, 
uh, technology has a role. If something like this could be done, to be able to power Singapore with a cable from Australia where there's a truckload of sunlight, not much else. It's probably not much else. There's ecosystems and stuff, so I shouldn't say it that blindly, mm. but you know what I mean. Mm. Um, it, it's a remarkable thing. Yeah, but it seems like Twiggy and Mike Kennebrooks couldn't quite agree. Either things weren't working out the way they wanted to or it was costing too much or maybe the milestones weren't being hit. We don't really know. Um, it's funny, if, if you and I have an argument, we don't talk for a couple of weeks. If Twiggy and Mike Kennebrooks have an argument, they put a you know, multi-billion dollar company into liquidation. It's, it's one of those. <laughs> it's a very different world they live in than, than you and I, mate. Um, uh, it, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts on innovation more broadly, mate. I... I we're used to hearing the stories of the garage startups. Mm -hmm. You can't do sun power from a garage. Yeah. Um, if you think about the size and scale of tech required, now we'll talk about another tech a bit, by the way, um, to, to do anything. I'm, I'm wondering, I don't know whether the, uh, prognostication for the fun of it. In 10 years time, I'll, I'll make a statement uh, that's kind of partly thought through. I think there'll be much more significant innovation actually done by or under the auspices of big companies mm. rather than the guy who invents a computer in his garage. Mm. Because the barriers to entry to compete with these guys, the size, the scale, the know-how, the people, you can't start sun cable in your, in your, in your garage and scale it up slowly, right? You've got to have a... To, to make it work, you've got to have a deal with Singapore and said, if we put 12,000 football fields of solar panels, could you please buy our power? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not, you can't do that, I can't do that. Um, we're seeing that right across, even Tesla, you know, Elon Musk's billion do billions of dollars uh, that go into, he didn't start Tesla, but he effectively bankrolled it and then did that. You know, you and I couldn't start Tesla in the garage. Yeah. Um, there are other solar car companies out there, but they're kind of, you know, they're also runs partly because of the profile and the cash. Yep. Are, we, are we past garage startup and, and what does that mean for innovation I, I think I think probably for a lot of things not for everything um, look at all of the sort of the the cutting edge of technology whether that's in AI or in power generation you know fusion research all of this stuff they're just very very big ticket items so it's not that mm. there aren't people some genius tinkering away in their garage is it's beyond them but they, the access to yeah. capital is just a massive barrier to entry um yeah. that being said there are there are enough billionaires out there that that like to make money you know and yeah. as, as long as the economics stack up this is what's interesting about this sun cable thing because let's say that mike and andrew just can't stand each other and hate each other's guts mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. if this project was just you know, well on track and <laughs> still going to make a gazillion dollars, you'll put yeah. your differences aside for that. So I just, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and know <laughs> yeah, what, yes, what exactly. are the operational issues yep. or maybe yep. technical issues or hurdle? What, what's, what are the things that sort of revealed this mm. um, uh, discordant sort of behavior? Cause, cause otherwise I think you'd put that aside. I mean, I'd, I will very happily work with someone I despise when I stand to make a lot of money out. <laughs> if we're both, if we're both going in a poor direction, then it's like, yep. well, there's now yep. there's no reason to hang around. So, yep. um, I, of course, we don't know. We don't know what what right, what's actually right. going on. But yeah, I think I think to your broader point, that's true. At the same time, though, the the there, there will be innovations that come out of out of the mm. backyard lab. Um, I mentioned to you off air before. So there's a there's a guy, single person, who started a a protocol called Nostar, notes over internet mm. and stuff through, re what is it? Notes over 
notes and other stuff over relays, which is a sort of a open source social media <laughs> protocol. It's gaining a bit of traction yeah. as if, you know, the, yeah. as the ongoing dumpster fire of Twitter continues. So there's <laughs> Mastodon yeah. and others that are all sort yeah. of uh, cropping up. But that, that I, I mentioned that only because that was an individual who started that. We don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, in theory could, could potentially be, be something that, that um, becomes a base, a base layer of all sort of social applications. So it's, it's certainly possible, but you've got to imagine it's, it's much harder in, in this day and age. Does it, if I'm an investor, um, there's so many bits and pieces of there. Do we get fewer small startups? Uh, do we get, uh, how, how, do we, how do we think through the investment opportunities or, or costs of that? I mean, on one level, I'm thinking, okay, so maybe we have to own the big guys because they're the only ones you want to own. On the other hand, Twiggy and, and Mike and Brooks are doing this completely outside the public markets and yeah. we're seeing more money flowing into venture capital style funds and, and the billionaires getting richer means they've got their own almost, you know, to direct line to some of these kind of projects and some of this innovation. Mm. Um, do you have a sense of how, what this means over the next X period of time for these sort of situations? Um, no, I... No, it's, it's, it's so hard. I mean, then and then you've got the other wrinkle where you may have the very big um, innovations requiring billions and these sort of partnership collaborations between billionaires and the rest of it. But then you get, then that may act as a platform on which others build. So for example, um, this whole chat GBT thing has been fascinating mm. by the way. So talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Open AI's got this chat bot. It's insanely good. But what's, what's been even more interesting um, mm. or equally interesting is all of the applications that are being spun up on top of it. And that is being done by very small teams. So they've said, oh, here's a new essentially thing that we can plug into and tap into yeah. and employ. Just in the same way as that I can start a business on the internet without ever having to lay the cable or build the internet service providers or write the TCP IP mm. protocols. You know, it's just sort of like it, it's it's – a lot of clever people, a lot of capital went into sort of providing that environment that I can now mm. tap into and 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 leverage for my own gain and sort of innovate within niches. In fact, when it comes to to technology, if you look at my portfolio, there's there's a lot of tech companies in there. None of them have invented mm. the mm. well um the the base layer applications that they're using, but they're yeah. they're taking these tool sets and they're applying them in very interesting ways. Mm. And the the big the the low-hanging fruit has been snatched. So the Googles and the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Amazons have all been done. But there's a lot of mm. there's a lot of uh, opportunity in areas that are va vastly smaller and very very niche, but still in their own rights, in absolute terms, very big. They might still be a billion-dollar global market, you know, or, or maybe it's only a four hundred million global market. So this is nothing that that Apple is going to bother <laughs> to sort of chase. But it may be a small ASX two hundred, uh, AS, uh, uh, small cap ASX company could do and make a very good amount of money on as well. So it's mm. there will always there will always be cracks and crevices. I think that the small guy can can um, innovate within and prosecute, but it feels like the big stuff, like the really big stuff, that is going to be the domain of, of very serious money. Just people who can afford to take very big risks and afford yeah, to operate yeah, at very yeah, long yeah. timeframes. And I'm really like, you can say what you like about um, a lot of these billionaires and there's a lot of, a lot of fun we can have with that. But there are, there are, I am, I am more inspired by those 
the Andrew Forrest, the Mike Cannon Brooks, even dare I say it, the Elons, who are like, gosh, they've got their failings, but they're at least trying to do big humanity improving projects. You know, unlike other perhaps iron ore billionaires that that are out there who are just like trying to elect themselves into parliament, and it's just like they're not, <laughs> they're not, they're not taking their billions and trying to move humanity forward. They're just trying to. It's all about them. So it's sort of, um, I'm I'm glad that there are people out there who have got got the capacity and willingness to sort of do and and take the risks to do some of these things that might fail spectacularly but at least directionally they're sort of trying to 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 move us in the right direction and and fair enough to them as well make make a few bucks along the way motley fool money for more subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener um over the last 12 months poor old elon he uh he is not the world's richest man anymore and in fact at least if you uh, look at his Tesla uh, performance, the shares were down 72% in 2022. Now, I, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those people who wants to uh, death ride billionaires or, or, or innovation or that sort of stuff. Uh, and look, honestly, uh, there may well be a scenario in which this becomes a low point and you know, every time the share prices fall, someone's saying, get out, get out, the f- price is falling. Everyone, the other group saying, buy, buy, the price has fallen. And so you know, who knows what happens next? We may be talking in 12 months' time. Hold me to this. Um, we'll, we'll have a look at the Tesla share price, see what happens over 2023. Maybe it's a massive rebound. Uh, maybe the stock market itself has a massive rebound or maybe this was the right sizing of a share price that was dramatically overvalued. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm low, I'm going to mention share price. I don't I shouldn't because it's you know the per share price is irrelevant. We've talked about that so many times. But $123 share price US at the moment. It's off $245 in the past 12 months. So that's a what $370 share price and 120 bucks. Yeah, that's not that's not pretty. Uh, at least of all for Elon. Um, I, I am curious, mate. On on just to check in we kind of took this a little bit in some of our pre-recorded episodes but just a, a bit of a check in on where you think the market's at right now um a lot of the share price falls again there's always two sides to every conversation and we are getting into that little bit of the what happened and why we've just talked about at the beginning of the episode mm. so i want to avoid that but you know if you see tesla down 72 percent, lost effectively three quarters of its value some people are saying yep it was stupidly overpriced to start with mm. Others are saying, oh my God, the market's getting carried away. This thing is now an absolute steal. Mm. And there's plenty of us in between going, yeah, I don't know. It looked expensive then. Does it look cheap now? Maybe. Depends what happens next. Who knows? And by the way, who knows is a perfectly fine answer more often than not for most things because the the tendency to have to come up some sort of view can actually be pretty corrosive. But to the extent, not about Tesla necessarily. I don't, I don't know how much you know or, or care about the, the performance or the share price. But I'm thinking actually more about the just what it represents. It's emblematic of a whole lot of tech and growth stocks that had a terrible 2022. Yeah. Beginning of 2023 or you know two weeks in, where are we sitting? I get the sense, I mean, again, this is going to be a broad statement because the, within that there'd be a whole bunch of exceptions. But I feel as though... Mm. I mean, share prices, particularly in tech, have come back a long way. And I, I feel as though it's more a right-sizing. And the the danger here is that you go, wow, it looks cheap. It's down 70%, <laughs> therefore it's cheap. Well, I, looking at Tesla, <clears throat> you know, it's still on a PE of 40. Um, yeah. Now, that's maybe that's cheap if, if this thing continues to grow like the clappers and you see gushing you know, free cash flows all over the place. But it's still there is it's 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 if you just never heard of this thing before and it blinked into existence and you've got this 
your company, it's got, you know, um, mm. attractive characteristics and it's trading at a P of 40 in an environment with substantially higher interest rates and expectations for that to continue and in an environment where pretty much the entire world's expecting a recession in the major economies <laughs> of this year, and this is a highly discretionary product, you would kind of say, well, it's, it's, it's not cheap. Um, you know, it's it's not eye-wateringly expensive and maybe it makes good sense as a long-term hold, but it's it's not cheap. It's not something you would call, wow, this is a bargain basement price. So yeah. so I think yeah. I think the the era the end of the era of ultra low interest rates and very, very cheap money has has forced a bit of a um repricing on the market. One that was probably healthy and needed. Um mm. and there will undoubtedly within that be opportunities. Um where, where a lot of babies got thrown out with the bathwater and the rest of it. I just think that if you want to make comments um, on of XYZ being cheap, I would <laughs> urge you to make that, that judgment based on sort of a fundamental view and not a comparative view of where the share prices were. So something can absolutely go from insanely priced to reasonably priced, <laughs> but it's not cheap. Or it might even still be yes. a bit expensive. Yeah. I, think, I think on the ASX... Um, there are there are definitely some companies you look at. Great companies, un, un, undoubtedly, um, they've come back a long way. But I still just think they're expensive. They're 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 expensive unless I've completely got it wrong on the pace of growth or on what the future trajectory of of interest rates and market sentiment are. You know, that, that, that's always going to be the case. <laughs> you know, it's hard to predict that kind of stuff. So there is a world in which you know, Fed's pivots and money becomes ultra cheap again and we're back back to the races but but not, barring those kinds of scenarios it doesn't seem anything other than reasonable and that I, I would say that it's not a question of saying oh the market is crazy now but maybe the market was a little crazy last year and this is this yeah. is sort of bringing things back to where something is more more sensible uh would you buy tesla at 38 times earnings or four to six i don't know i don't I don't know enough about the business to. Okay. Uh, you know, I know. What would you prefer if I offered you if I offered you one or the other? Which would you take? Tesla at thirty-eight times earnings or Ford at six times earnings? Which which one? Forty thirty-eight or forty-six? No, thirty-eight for thirty-eight for Tesla or six times earnings for Ford. Which one do you oh, buy? Oh, that is an excellent question. That is, isn't it? They're really different. I mean, we're not talking about twenty-four times and you know eighteen times. Yeah, one is literally six and a half times as expensive per dollar of earnings than the other. Yeah, which exactly, as you said, is all about the future. But yeah, that's it. For, for two companies in the same industry, um, by the way, lots of people yelling at the the, the pod machine that Tesla's not the car industry. I, yeah, sure, but um, you know, ostensibly in the same industry, <laughs> it's a big, big difference, right? I, I don't. Mm. I, I'm sure there've been examples of it, but I can't remember examples where two companies have been that different in valuation. Well, I'm tempted to say, well, obviously Ford P of six is much cheaper, but but then I've been around long enough to see plenty of value traps <laughs> and know that often when you get a company at that multiple, that there's a reason for it. You yeah. know, um, it, it's uh, and again, I don't, I don't, I've, I've never looked at the financials of, of four different market out, outside of my wheelhouse, but I su yeah. I suggest that perhaps one of the narratives is is that. Well, they have to completely retool. The world's going electric. Um, their brand isn't resonating as much. It's a hyper-competitive industry. All the componentry and commodities within these vehicles, are, the prices of them are, are going through the roof, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like it might, it might actually be a PE of six when we look at last year's earnings, <laughs> when we look at what the per share earnings are. Or maybe even like we look at like what the multiple is on a, on a free cash flow basis, which is often helpful as well. 
factoring in all the massive investment they need to do to retool, it's actually it's actually pretty expensive on a forward basis, which is entirely possible. And just to contrast that with, in my hypothetical here with Tesla, maybe the PE is is 40, but maybe the per share earnings are, are going to grow at 20% compound over the next five to 10 years, in which case it's a screaming bargain. So that's, yeah. that, that what ne- is what needs to inform your view. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, here's where it's interesting because often when you get these ones that are obviously, well, not obviously, but the market seems to think one is a far superior investment, you might actually do, sorry, one is a far superior business and has far superior opportunities. It may, in fact, be a worst investment if everyone has factored that in and then become too optimistic on one and too pessimistic on the other. Um, so that's a really unsatisfying answer, I know, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert on either companies. But it's, I, I know you, I, I say it's a good question because it's, it's not one that's obvious. It feels as though it's an obvious answer to that question. But I think that the devil will most definitely be in the detail there. And that's why I wanted to, to raise it because it's illustrative of exactly those valuation questions. Mm. I, I'm i with you, mate. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a Tesla bull at all. I, I have a Tesla Powerwall, by the way, on the wall at home. And I, I'm not anti the business or anti the company. I think Elon's a bit of a knucklehead, but we've talked about that before. Mm. Um, the, but, but, and it's, I, I, you know, I... I'm not sure either. Mm. You know, I don't own Tesla. I haven't owned Tesla. My son owns a, a fraction of it, as we talked about before a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, you know, maybe, maybe I've got... I've got <laughs> come on, he's got like 10 bucks worth of shares or something. Um, but um, I, it's a really difficult one for me because if you think about the things that should matter... Now, by the way, I checked the price-to-free cash flow metrics while you were chatting. Tesla's about twice as expensive as Ford on price-to-free cash flow, okay. which is... Much more expensive, but it's only double compared to P of six times. Mm. So that's that's really worth thinking about. And they're trailing figures on a free too. cash. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Not as expensive on a free cash flow basis as it looks relative to forward. But also too, I, I you know, we <laughs> one of the things I've said before, I'm sure I've said on the podcast, never underestimate a cult. Yeah. And I say that partly tongue in cheek, but I say that also entirely seriously, right? The pricing power of Apple, because people just love the hell out of Apple is a thing of absolute beauty. I don't own any Apple devices. I own a Pixel smartphone. I've looked took me on a Windows PC. I'm not in the Apple fan club at all. But, and by the way, I can save a small fortune doing that because I'm not paying Apple premiums, which is partly me feeling you know superior. But it's also me going, man, like, you know, I, I missed Apple as a shareholder for a long time because I just simply undervalued the, the importance of a cult. Mm. If you can convince people this thing is worth buying, we have a, a colleague, he won't mind me mentioning it. Sorry, Ed, in advance. Um, he bought a new Apple keyboard for his Mac. And I want to say he said it was $90. And it was something like, you know, and this is, it, it, it's lovely looking thing. And, and he, you know, he's like, I can't believe I'm paying this much, but I'm going to pay it because it's Apple and it's great. Mm. And that's exactly the point, right? I don't say that critically at all. Like this is the point. If you can create in people's minds the value perception, such that they're prepared to pay through the nose for this stuff, it tells you exactly what's going on. Mm. And so, if you, if I look at Tesla, mate, for you know, for all of my concerns about I, that, P does feel pretty expensive. I'm not buying a buy any shares anytime soon. But if I look at Ford and go, as you said, Brandon isn't resonating, retooling, big, big, big legacy assets, legacy pensions, all this stuff. Okay, I look at Tesla and go, people are paying a squillion dollars. You could buy a brand new, insert name here, car. Mm for a fraction of the price of a new Tesla, but people are paying Teslas because they're Teslas. Mm. And when, it, when literally, they will, they will explain it a whole lot of other ways. Oh, but the acceleration, oh, but the feeling, oh, but the screen, oh, but the whatever. And that's partly true. 
but it's partly just self-justification and the, the value that the sheer value of that brand of the cult of tesla is really really something to behold yeah i mean you, you, we you can talk about in in a former pre-tech era the go-to example there would have been coke right Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there was a Pepsi. Pepsi would desperately try. Uh, they they called it the Pepsi Challenge, right? They yes. Blind. You can't tell the difference. You can't. Yeah. No. But everyone's going to buy Coke, right? Like it's yeah, just, it exactly just, true. and it's not like oh, forty nine fifty one. It's like yeah. eighty five fifteen in terms yep. of market yep. share split or something like that. Yeah. You know, yep. and it's just sort of like. Is there, look, and again, there's people yelling at the machine now going, oh, no, Coke is vastly superior. <laughs> like, well, maybe you can have a preference. It's really not. But it's, it's not really, really not. that yep. different, you know? Yeah. But it's exactly, exactly, it is exactly to your point. It's why brand is something that generally seeing you won't see. Well, you won't see it on the on the balance sheet, but it's it's a very, very powerful asset, you know? If you've got something with in, in engenders that kind of mm-hmm. fervor then wow that is that is magic in a bottle and um and companies deserve a premium because of that yep and you know, you talk about market share and that's true but i want to go one step further because not only is coke has a lot much larger market share than pepsi but the pricing the revenue yeah. is, is larger again and the profit yeah is larger again yeah. and it simply is a case of you know, uh, Samsung makes a phone. Google makes a phone. Apple makes a phone. Mm. Uh, again, I'll offend a whole lot of people. They all do yeah. exactly the same thing, yeah. right? Within, you know, you've got your preferences, fine. But, you know, they do the same thing. In fact, Android has a larger number of global users than the Apple ecosystem mm-hmm. does. But the profit is 90, 10 the other way. Mm. Why? And it's exactly that reason. So not only are they more popular and bigger, but the ability to charge higher prices and then as a result, earn higher profits is massive. And so, yeah, to, mm. to the Tesla question, I'm not entirely sure that in five years time we won't look back and go, well, you could buy Tesla for what price? Yeah. Their profits have gone up 20% a year ever since. Mm. The shares are now back at 500 bucks. Mm. Who's surprised? Yeah. And yeah. I will go back and delete this episode <laughs> where I say, hey, of course Tesla's going to be great. But you know, I'm not, I'm not buying Ford instead of Tesla. I want to believe that I should. And there's enough value hounding me, you know, enough contrarian investor is like six times earnings. Yeah, I'll buy that. Mm. And I would say too, I reckon if I bought 20 companies that are a P of under eight, I reckon I do very, very well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, some would blow up yep. and some will do terribly. And yeah, there's, 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 some will do really well. But am I sure Ford is going to beat Tesla from this point? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting my money down on that bet. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, okay. no, go on, go on. So, so I want to I actually kick off from that point because you talked about share prices being lower and you talked about what's expected. The World Bank has said they expect a recession in 2023. Mm. Uh, now... I, I love this. We, we're talking about def- definitions of recessions. The World Bank said we're going to have a recession and the economy is going to grow at 1.7%. <laughs> and now I feel like Inigo Montoya in The Princess Bride. You keep using that word. I don't think it is I think it means what you think it means. A recession is supposed to be recession as in going backwards. Um, now, it doesn't really matter, the definition. This will be, If it happens, this will be the lowest economic growth in 15 years, excluding the COVID year, which was papered over by government. I mean, that say it didn't happen, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't the sort of recession we're used to. Um, so this will be the lowest economic growth in 15 years. China is expected to slow right down, uh, and a 1.7 percent growth is probably a per capita recession globally because we'll probably have population expand faster than that. So you know, there's mm. you can argue a recession if you want to. It doesn't. I mean, the R words. A nice headline it fits in a you know 48 point nicely but for the rest of us it doesn't matter that much um but they are expecting a meaningful slowdown mm. 
You've talked about what share prices are already factoring in. You mentioned the, you know, the tougher times ahead. You mentioned higher interest rates, that kind of stuff. You said to me when we started to record this, you said, or before we started, you said, let's do some calls for 2023. That'll be fun. <laughs> so I am going to hold you to that. And I'm going to say that you've, well, you've, you've put it out there and said, well, the market's expecting something. We also said at the top of the episode that uh, trying to work out what the market's expecting. So here's my thing. We would say on one level, don't worry about what the market's doing. The market's doing what it's doing. Just focus on yourself. Other people would say, including Joe Mager, who we've both worked with and who's been on the Good Oil podcast before, we've, he said, you want a variant perception. Work out what the market thinks. And if you disagree, then there's your opportunity. So there is some value in trying to work out what the market's expecting because that can give you a chance to look differently. And if you think, hang on, I think this, they think that. If I'm right, there's money to be made. What's going to happen? In 20, what are your big calls, Andrew Page, for 2023? Oh, so I'll, I'm happy to throw some stuff out there. Just let the the, the, <laughs> the caveats here. This is all for fun. So please, like we'll be playing. I, I let, me, let me just spike a vein here, get some blood. I can write this in. Go I'm just, I just know that <clears throat> whatever I say in a year's time, we'll look back <laughs> and we'll laugh. And and because that's what that's always fun, happens fun, because though, right? you can't exactly. know. Exactly. I also saw this really great tweet the other day saying that if your investment portfolio is based on how you think the stock market will perform this year, you're destined to fail as an investor. <laughs> if you have an advisor trying to do that, it's a big flashing neon sign with fireworks screaming at you that it's time to find a new advisor. <laughs> and I, I just thought there was such a great tweet because it's it's should we, true. Should we uh, give the person credit who was, uh, who was Peter Maluk, who is a go. U.S. financial advisor? Um, Very good. I never oh, heard yeah. of him before, but the Twitter algorithm yeah. thought I would like it, and yeah, it was right. And <laughs> but but it is it is it is there's so there's a lot of there's a lot of sandbagging here. So one, don't take me seriously. <laughs> Two, even yeah. if I was right, it's not really going to fundamentally change too much how I invest. And I think people that do do that are always positioning with a twelve month sort of horizon out there are just going to shoot themselves in the foot again and again and yeah. again and again yeah. and again. So that's with all of that out of the way. Um, yeah, I'm 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 kind of. I feel as though the recession is probably pretty likely. <laughs> can I say quickly, you kind of went, this doesn't make sense. It shouldn't forecast. Who knows anyway? With that out of the way, yeah, let me yeah, make yeah. some forecast. Well, I, 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 I know it is. And look, yes. And so I, I will actually say for both of our sakes, don't do anything on this basis. Oh, don't don't, no, don't no. invest anything. Whatever happens in 12 months time or 11 and a half months time, Andrew might be right. Andrew might be wrong. I might be right. I might be wrong. We're not going to base any or much of our investing on any of these things. So I just want to put that out there for our listeners mate, yeah. before we have some fun with it. Hey, by the way, here's, here's, before we, as we get into it, hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, send us an email. If you want to throw your, just maybe, maybe don't do it email. It's probably a bit hard to do because we are a customer service. People have to deal with it. But maybe work it on Twitter, uh, at Sage underscore Simeon, <laughs> at TMF Scott P. Just for fun, tell us what you think. What's going to happen in 2023? Yeah. Just for complete sheer amusement. Yeah. For the fact, you know what? The best part of this will be 12 months, I will look back and go, how, find how wrong we were. And then I'll underscore exactly why we shouldn't be doing this in any sort of serious way. Well, so do that. Uh, join in and be part of it. But Andrew, keep going. What's going well, to happen this year? The old, the old joke is that economists have predicted seven out of the last three recessions or something <laughs> something like that i love that one which is, i haven't used that in ages that's such a good one it's such it? a good one because I mean, here's the other thing so at this time of year <laughs> a lot of people will be doing this exercise very seriously and yeah. um <laughs> yeah, you know part. lots and lots of people so it's just there's, it's like the infinite monkey hypothesis you know it, it, some of them will be right <laughs> the question is well were you right because you know someone had to be right like someone wins the lottery yeah. every week doesn't mean the yeah. odds are good yeah. of, of winning it and it's more to the point you might have been wrong every year before this you were right this year and you'll be wrong every year after but they're on they're on a 
they're invited to every panel and you know quoted in yes. every newspaper because oh this was the person who predicted this it's like yeah they've been predicting it for 15 years and finally the broken clock was right so it's kind of <laughs> anyway with oh. all the cynicism out of the way i no mate it's, it's important right so it's not the problem is it's not cynicism it's actually lived experience mm. and the reality of what actually happens so not yeah. just us going oh those bastards we hate them because we're critical so and so it's like no we know mm. <laughs> we've yeah. seen this happen it happen every time um, so, so the thing that's being pointed to again and again is the inverted yield curve. If we want to get a little bit mm. nerdy at a moment, this is just a, like governments have bonds; they're just IOUs. Some of them expire after a year. You give me your money; I'll give it back to you in a year. I'll give you a few interest payments along the way. Some I'm going to hold on to for six months. Some I'm going to hold on to for uh, five years, ten years, and even up to thirty-year bonds. You you can get in a normal world, quote unquote, the longer dated bonds attract a higher interest rate. Well, which makes sense, right? Think about it. If it's like, Scott, you know, um, lend me some money for, I'll pay you back tomorrow. You won't need much compensation for that. But lend me some money, I'll pay you back in 30 years. Wait a sec. Okay, I need, my money's locked up for a long time. I really want to do some decent compensation or better than what I would get otherwise. So that's, that's what a normal um, relationship looks like, which means you get this upward sloping yield curve. So you just plot the maturities at the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, near the near the origin. It's a very short dated out out um, further to the right. It's long dated, and then you plot the yield against that. So I'm trying to it's hard to do with audio, but you get this upward sloping curve. Yeah. At yeah. the moment, that is inverted in in the sense that you're getting a a better yield. For the short dated stuff, mm. well, that's interesting. Why? Why is that? Why is that the case? And the, the answer is, is that people who invest in these things are really nervous. They don't, they don't want to have their money tied up. They, they'll go, they'll park their money in the short dated stuff because they want access to it. They're just, they're just very nervous about the future. And whatever, whatever you might think of that, the reality is, every time the this inverted yield curve has predicted every single recession, I think, for the last seventy years, it's scarily accurate there's you know i'm always say that with a bit of hesitation because any (laughs) indicator that purports to accurately predict the future uh you got to be you got to be careful with and there's 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 recessions and then there's recessions and there's all different kinds of flavors of all of that kind of stuff but generally speaking it's been a pretty good one and man is it inverted so that's that tells you at least what the bond market um is expecting yeah um, as I said, you've always got the Rubinis of this world who are always sort of, you know, the hyper bears, but you, you've got the World Bank. I think you've got all the major in- investment banks and they're all, they're all sort of saying we, mm. in fact, I've heard someone say it's probably the most widely expected recession in history. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a, there's a bunch of, of, of reasons for that, but namely that it started with inflation being fought with interest rates. We were actively, I mean, the, the stated goal is let's destroy demand which is just a, a fancier yes. way of saying let's crush everyone's spirits and make sure that we 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 um, um, push a few people out of work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because we, we need to, because otherwise it's, it's a lesser of, of two evils kind of thing. Yeah. So I feel as though it's pretty much being engineered very, very deliberately as a compromise. Yeah. So I feel as though that's, that's, that's likely to happen. Um, fair, to, fair to say quickly, though, they're not trying to have a recession per se. They're prepared to have one if that's what it takes. Yes. Oh, well, the, the, the ideal goal is you walk that very fine line where you sort of yeah. take take the top of demand off, but you avoid a recession. Um, it's just yeah. a very, very hard thing to do. So anyway, I think, I think that's, that's, that's my prediction. I feel as though <laughs> my favorite whipping horse, I, 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 feel, I feel property's probably got further to fall. We've got 40% of, of um, fixed rate mortgages um, 
maturing this year. And when they do, mm-hmm. um, you'll be you people will be doubling their their um, their repayments. Put that into context. That's nearly one in five of all outstanding mortgages are resetting at a rate that is that is it's much huge, higher. Right? So it's actually yeah. pretty significant. Yeah. And the other thing that's particularly interesting is they'll be resetting at a rate that was beyond the buffer that they were tested at. So APRA had this rule that said, okay, you, when, you're get, when you're assessing someone for a mortgage, mm-hmm. um, don't assess them at the current interest rate. We want you to add 3% on top of that as a bit of a buffer because you know what? Interest rates change. Even when c- certain central bank governors promise that they won't, they, 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 they do change and we need to sort of test you test you against that. Well, two things. Mm-hmm. Firstly, APRA lowered that buffer. Um, and and the and, yeah. and, and we've got and we've got all the instances of what was a credit Swiss called liar loans, like the amount of mm-hmm. um, yeah. people are exaggerating. I actually had a friend who was going through the process recently and he's just like, man, the mortgage broker was like, oh you could say this, I'll just say this. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it feels very big shortish. Yeah. Let me just let yeah. me just say. So anyway, it's 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 not that it's it's there's two things in that. There is one that that all of a sudden a very significant number of mortgagees will be will be having a very big jump mm-hmm. in their in their repayments, but a very significant portion of that will be that jump is not just oh that sucks now I've got to pay more. It's actually beyond what I was deemed able to service. Um, yeah. Other people have pointed out, it's like when you do all the maths and you look at Australian households in total, it's actually a, it's a much smaller percentage percent of all people because there, there's a lot of people miles ahead, and there'll be people listening to this going, "Well, I'm not worried. I'm, I, I can, <laughs> I've, I have, I have actually been paying well above odds, and that's great. That means just you're a very smart, prudent um, kind of person." But, but my response to that would be that prices are determined at the edge. You don't, you don't need. Let, let's say things get a little bit dark. Um, a lot of people who aren't in any great uh, hurry and aren't forced sellers will just pull their heads in. They won't do anything and they'll be fine. They'll, they'll, they'll be carried on. But those that are forced sellers can really tip prices at, at, at the margins and that can have a very big psychological impact. And yeah, I just, I just feel with all of that going on, it's going to be, it's going to be likely that... So in Sydney, prices are down 13%. It's the biggest... Sorry, it's the fastest pace of decline I think we've seen in like 40 years or something like that. And it, 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 again, I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but I, I, I feel as though you will see more, more pain there to come. And it's not just, oh, that sucks for those people. It actually sucks <laughs> for all of us because, you know, yeah. it, it, pe- that'll be the last payment that people not uh, uh, give up on, right? And so it means that there's going to be a lot less money in the economy you're going to maybe pull back on that holiday pull back on that little extravagance because you just don't have any money left over after paying the mortgage so it has it has a has a ripple effect so there's there's my doom and gloomy 2023 let me just reiterate though not doing anything differently um (laughs) i i I think there'll be some really good opportunities in this but the the big mistake to make and this is the one that you hear again and again and again everyone goes i'm gonna wait for it to get better and then i'm gonna buy it's like by the (laughs) dude by the time it's obvious you know it will have it it it, it will have recovered and any opportunity is is gone so you've kind of got to sort of do it when it's it's darkest before the dawn i guess and and that's just just how it is and it, it may may get worse before it gets better but if by the time that you have 100% certainty, you have 100% chance of not outperforming. <laughs> Anything else? So we got, we got, so uh, rates are going to keep going up. Mm-hmm. Property prices come down. We're going to have a recession. What happens to the share market? Yeah, I, I, I. So interestingly enough, that I saw um, some research recently that said when um, non 
inflationary recessions or recessions that occur in periods of um, of relatively tame inflation tend to sort of last on average, and I think it's about six to eight months or something. It's not they're not really that that severe. Recessions that tend to happen, such as in the seventies and other times where inflation was high, they tend to be more brutal and longer lasting, and they they can be sort of twelve to eighteen sort of months. Um, so that's interesting. And also you tend to get a phenomena where the, the market is forward looking. So it tends to sort of act a little bit ahead of, of what the economy is doing, but it is also, um, it is also true to say that by the time the recession is sort of official, um, markets can tend to sort of, um, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? The, there is further to fall if we, we take history as any guide and that and that prognosis of wider economic pain is true. Again, I mean, bring it on. <laughs> I, I, I don't, not bring it on, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's not my yeah. first rodeo. Um, there, there will yeah. be opportunity with, within all of that. It is these periods mm-hmm. that the that, that fortunes from the next cycle are made. And as I've said to you a million times before, I've, I've had a lot of regrets in investing. Um, mm. The biggest regret is always not, not acting with enough um, zeal when when opportunity arises, and so I'm going to try and get that a bit different this time. Fascinating. I um, oh, I think we'll avoid a recession. It it, it it globally described the way Australians would describe it. So I don't think I don't think economic growth goes negative globally. Whether whether the World Bank says it's a recession or the Americans who have their committee say it's a recession, uh, you know, who, who knows? Who cares? Um, I think economic growth is going to slow. I think that's probably so. Not not two um, quarters of negative growth. Correct, exactly. Yeah. Which is the Australian definition. Negative growth um, is just I, the, the most brilliant term, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> isn't it? Ah, uh, oh, can I can I, um, I massive tangent because I have to because you mentioned brilliant terms. I sent you a a, a Facebook message uh, during the during the week. <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, you you've ranted. Yeah, well, we both ran. You've ranted about the cost of living. The, the phrase, the cost of living, rather than, hey, what about just prices going up or inflation? <laughs> yeah. And I sent, you, I sent you something I'd seen on Facebook. The uh, Apparently, I, I don't know how many people use this term, but apparently, Cozzy Lives <laughs> is now is now the new Cool Kids abbreviation, shortening, whatever you call it. It's abbreviation, it is. Cozzy Lives. Uh, I, I'd like to. I'd like to go out and, and uh, I'd like to go out and you know have a night out. But Cosy lives is, is really hurting right now. Mm-hmm. So not only not only is cost of living a thing, mate, but there is now a cool kids abbreviation of it. I think you've lost this fight. I think I think it's done. Yeah. I think you're gonna have to walk away and say it sucks, but I'm done. Are, are you prepared to admit defeat on this one? Oh yeah. I mean, I was never gonna never gonna you know um, turn over that that train. <laughs> it, it it is. Cosy you said lives. you said sit down. This is gonna trigger you. Or it totally <laughs> you. Oh, come on. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so I think I think we're going to have I think we're going to have more interest increases this year. I think there'll be some. I'm going to say, I reckon par is three. Oh yeah, I reckon par is zero point seven five percent. I think it could be as little as two zero point five. It could be as high as one a quarter at the outside. Mm-hmm. Depending how bad things get and how far and how fast the RBA thinks it needs to keep pushing. Do you have a Do you have a best guess? <sighs> I, I don't know, but I, I have said before, and I still think it that the there there will be a necessary pivot at some point. Yeah, um, uh, I think okay. Well, I just I, I mean I, that, that's that's not to say things go back to where they were anytime. So I think the the days of ultra like virtually inter- zero interest rates are long gone. Like don't expect that uh, for for many many years, if ever. <laughs> um, but I just I, I think 
it will come there's two there's two really bad outcomes here one is a really bad recession um and one is is higher than desired inflation and they're both they're both bad outcomes for us and individuals and businesses yeah. but one is one is more palatable i i'd, I'd rather take my pain slowly <laughs> thank you <laughs> is what is what the unspoken agreement is and i think mm-hmm. i think we will we will see when it, just for political reasons, as much as anything else, we'll just sort of say, mm-hmm. "Listen, we're just gonna we're just gonna ride high." Two to three percent target inflation is a pipe dream. We'll probably sit somewhere between three and five percent for an extended period of time. It'll help reduce mm-hmm. some of these debt burdens. It'll all be stealing from us and our purchasing power. That's that's what inflation is, or cause he lives, as as you as you might want to call it. Um, but it's but it's it's a more politically palatable one than a very sharp, ugly recession where people lose jobs and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we've already seen the uh, politicians have a, have a go at the RBF for raising rates too fast, which I, I, I shudder about, not because they're right or wrong, but because politicians take the populist view of our constituents are hurting. If I pretend I'm sympathetic, oh, I'm sure they are sympathetic, you know, if I, if I pretend, I say, oh, RBA, you're doing the wrong thing, you're hurting people out there, will you please stop it, this is terrible. Mm. And it's like, you know, they're not doing it oblivious to that. I don't have any issue with different views, but it's just that political, you know. It's the reality of, of it. I mean, what, yeah. what yeah. yeah, you can't tell it like it is because you won't, you won't get re-elected. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. But I, I do hope the RBA is doing its best not to listen because I, I don't want. We, we all, I don't think any of us want to have, have the politicians, you know, influencing RBA policy decisions for right or wrong. The RBA will do their best. Doesn't I mean they'll always be right. Yeah. Uh, but adding politicians to that mix is generally in either direction at any point a, a bad, bad ROI. Oh, 100%. Um, I think I think house price will keep coming down. To your point, mate. I'm going to speculate another seven percent to go. Yeah, twenty percent top to bottom. Oh no, nationally that's fifteen percent top to bottom. Is it? It would be fifteen, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. eight point four now. So call that. Yeah, fifteen percent. Mm. Pick a number. Um, By the way, that just just before anyone else points it out, that yeah. just brings us back to pre-COVID levels, right? Not even. Not, not even. even. We're still above. So just yep. I acknowledge that because point. prices went up twenty-one percent in twenty twenty-one, and they went up between then and May. May was the unsurprisingly because that's when rates started to rise. Was the peak for house prices. Yep. Um, so it, we would still be five or seven percent above, probably. Yep. Um, so yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the share market will finish higher okay. in twenty twenty-three than it closed the year. Yep. Uh, I am actually. You know what? I'm going to take that back. Here's the we haven't got a lot of time. Here's the weird thing. You mentioned this at the top about the market, right? Um, we have done much better in 2022 than the Yanks did, yeah. and the reason is entirely. It's not nothing. Nothing special about Australia in and of itself, as much as we all like to think we're exceptional. It is the fact that we had banks and and miners, and in particular energy stocks. So last year. In the on the ASX, I don't think we went through this, mate, because I don't think the numbers were in. Uh, so I think it's new information. Last year, the energy sector was up thirty three percent in a down market, mm. and tech in Australia was down thirty two percent. I think I'm right in saying. Now, the the relative size of those different sectors <laughs> means that the market there was upward pressure between those two. Energy pushed up higher, further than tech pulled us down. Even the percentages are the same mm-hmm. because the weightings are much different. Yep. Now, the US had a much worse time because they are now dominant. They have dominant tech companies. So the US did worse than we did last year. This year, it's entirely possible. So why I say that when I say the market's going to be higher, I think there's a lot of stuff that is that is already pricing in bad news, and I don't think those have much further to fall necessarily. Mm. But if the oil price crashes and iron ore price crashes, the Australian market could still do worse. Mm. So I, I, I don't want, I don't want to hedge my bets here. I don't want to, you know, I, I could say, well, let's look at the MSCI, the global index, mm. or let's look at the US or something else. Mm. I guess I would just make the point that I, I'm going to take that back. I don't know what's going to happen with the Australian market this year. 
I will say the industrials, excluding mining, will be up. Mm. Let me let me put it that mm. way. Just because the you know, commodity price, I'm not going to predict commodity prices. We can make stupid predictions, but commodity prices are too stupid even for me to try and predict. Mm. Um, that's just dumb. Mm. So uh, that's what I reckon the market will, X mining will be up this year. Uh, I don't have any other big predictions. Any any outlandish you want to you want to throw at us? What, what's what's the big X factor for this year? <laughs> I <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I feel the I mentioned before that the, just just the just back to the tech thing. The world is changing so rapidly. And Howard Marks yeah. wrote a great memo on this. Technology has always advanced, and it's always disrupted mm. industries, and it's always yeah. presented risk and 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 opportunity. It's just that what's different these days is the pace of change. Yes, and and yes. the technologies that we're talking about are just so structurally disruptive. It's hard to wrap your head around. I mean, again, I, again, I want to over-egg this particular pudding, but the, the chat GPT phenomenon, if you haven't played with mm -hmm. it, you will see that it, it doesn't... <clears throat> I saw someone say, a robot won't take your job. Mm. Uh, um, oh, sorry, AI won't steal your job. A human using AI will steal your job. <laughs> and I thought that was really, really bang on, yeah. actually, because yeah. it's because yeah. people I've had over Christmas for well, well, it could never do my job because of rah 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 rah. And it's like, well, even if that's true, it's not true, by the way. Um, <laughs> you were totally you know, one of the one of the people was a lawyer. It's like, oh my god, law, law is one of the the really uh, uh, strong use cases. In fact, there there is there is a company at the moment offering a million dollars to let their AI represent someone in at the Supreme Court. Oh, wow. Yeah, just all you have to, the, the deal is you've got to wear a, a headset and you've got to say whatever um, uh, whatever the AI says. I, I think it's going to fall over for reasons like you can't have yeah. devices and stuff yeah. in, but- but it's it's kind of anyway, it, it's kind of happening. But my <laughs> my argument is is that it's it's yeah. like with chess, right? So if if you or I, the, the best the best uh, chess player is not a human. It's not a computer. It's a it's a human using a computer. The best diagnosis on on radiology images is not a human. It's not a computer. It's a human using a computer. And so what these technologies do is that they radically enhance the productivity of an individual person. So whereas before you might have needed, I don't know, you're in marketing for some, you might have needed a team of half a dozen copywriters. Well, now one person can do it. You still got the human, but let's just take your best copywriter and let's just give them an, a bot army of a thousand um, writers that never sleep, never whinge, never complain. We'll redo it a thousand times. We'll write stuff out in the blink of an eye, and, let, and you yeah. you pair that that team together. And I feel as though we're, we're seeing we're seeing um, that as a very big uh, phenomena in in what that means for the economy at large is is pretty scary, actually, pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what the end result of that is. We all go to base, universal basic incomes or, or whatever it is, but I feel, and that's obviously at a, at a, at a range that's beyond just twenty twenty three. But all of that stuff is is accelerating, and we're getting to the point where it's beyond, it's out of the lab now. It's beyond just like oh, it's a cool science project. Now we're actually seeing real world <laughs> commercial use cases yeah. and companies incorporating yeah. all of this kind of stuff. So that's. That's fascinating. The other fascinating sort of bigger structural trend is this friendshoring, onshoring, reshoring mm. phenomena where we had this huge globalization push. And now we're all pulling our heads back in. We're having some of these blocks yeah. like the BRICS plus countries trying to form their own trading blocks, even trying to form their own commodity backed currencies. 
the US dollar has now been weaponized and Russia's going, oh, that sucks. So let's let's trade in other currencies. So there's there's all of these big, big there's there's the usual economic cycle, whatever it is, seven to ten years that sort of these small Dalio sort of causing these sort of minor sort of debt cycles. And then you've got these very, very, very big structural changes. And it feels as though that sort of that that arc is is being more and more dominant. And it's going to play out over a very long period of time, but it's it's just Next 10 years are going to be wild, man. And it's, it's going to be very challenging, I think. Yeah, crazy. I, um, I, I would just say, for what it's worth, that we talked about variant perceptions before. And I think this is, this is why it's important because to the, whatever extent I have a view on the market, or sorry, a view on, on the macro, and the macro doesn't necessarily mean macroeconomics. I mean, AI or self-driving cars or EVs or what, any, any of those things. Generally speaking, if your view is the same as everybody else, then there's no opportunity in the investing because it's already priced. Yeah. And so that's kind of just, I don't have a big X factor to offer you. All I would say is, you mentioned the fact this is the most predicted recession in history, yeah. right? To the extent that's true, it should be the case. I'm not promising anything. I'm not making predictions. It should be the case that it is therefore less impactful in the responses to that share market and otherwise mm. because it's been predicted yeah. and if it is enough, you know, enough people predicting it they've already made those trades to allow for it it's why I said I'm pretty sure I said over the break we pre-recorded a heap and I can't remember the order of these things but you know the, the COVID crash the, the bottom of the market happened before we peaked in cases of the original wave let alone Delta let alone Omicron let alone whatever the hell we're up to now mm. the market recovered that you know the Qantas corporate travel flights and a share price I own corporate travel recovered most of their losses before a single plane got in the sky mm. Why? Because everyone went, oh, well, of course it's going to start again. So at that, so we can buy the shares again. And so there's just that sense. Just just remember, whatever you're, not you personally, obviously, mm. our listeners, whatever you're thinking about what might happen, if your view is the same as everybody else's already, don't make the second trade on that basis, right? If, you, if you're looking at the price of, I don't know, Ford now, you know, it's already at six times earnings because of things we've just talked about. You know, if you start with, oh, Tesla might be big and it might win, therefore Ford's going to fall. That might still... Mm. But just remember, it's six times earnings for the reason we've already talked about. Yeah. That's already there. Yeah. Don't don't double up. And the same on the upside, right? If Tesla's already forty times earnings because it's going to be great, be careful you don't overpay for that on exactly. But but everyone loves EVs and the Tesla brand is big, so people are going to like it. So yes, everybody knows that. That's why it's thirty-eight times mm, earnings mm. when Ford is six. Mm. Now I'm not saying nothing's worth buying. I'm not saying you can't find opportunities. I'm not saying you know there there are no wins out there. There absolutely are for the for the conscientious stock picker and the researcher mm. and the analyst. Mm. Um, but just keep that just keep that really squarely in mind. If if your view is the same as everyone else's current view, there is no opportunity there, or, or there should more often than not not be. It doesn't point. mean there can't be, but just just be mindful of that. That it's the different view. If you now be careful, because by the way, the crowd's often right. But if you have a view that there is going to be the market's going up twenty five percent this year, well, that's a very different view to everybody else. Yeah. If you have a view the World Bank's wrong and there's not going to be a recession, or the house price is going to fall forty percent rather than fifteen percent, they they're your opportunities. Yeah. But just be careful of the preconceptions because if you're wrong, you know, sometimes fortune favors the brave, yes, uh, but also it's the brave who get themselves shot. So just just, just be careful um, that, that, you know, you think through the implications, that almost those second order impacts, the bluff and double bluff, right? Yep. He knows that I know that he knows that I know. Okay, then then we can start with something. What's, where, where it gets interesting, it's an excellent point you make. Where it gets interesting <clears throat> is that often when, like say that let's say the sentiment is pretty bad, the expectation is pretty bad, and it more or less sort of um, comes to pass. You get 
you get a lot of companies caught up in all of that where they as individual entities actually are pretty well positioned. They don't have much debt. They, in fact, they've got a super strong balance sheet, royalty-like incomes, capital light. But it's just sort of like, well, the market broadly is down for all the reasons, you know, whether people are accurately forecasting or whatever, it's just, it's just down. But it's just sort of like, yeah, but that might not preclude the ability for this particular business to do incredibly well. Would it do better under more benign conditions? Sure. Um, are they still expected to significantly grow their their profits over the over the coming years? Yeah, still still the case. So that that for me yeah, is the yeah, really interesting. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for is the company who's caught all the negative sentiment, and where you know fair's fair. The uh, all else being equal, things aren't as good as they otherwise would be, but are still more positive than the market is 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 attributing to that particular stock and attributing it to it for reasons that are that are more broadly related to this quote unquote macro picture rather than the individual business. That's when things get get really interesting. And I think there's a few examples out there at the moment of that. And you kind of think, especially with the most recent reporting season, it's like, hey, these companies are all kicking goals here. You know, it's like, could it be better? Yeah. But it's just like if I own this business and I had nothing to do with the share, market, I'd be pretty happy with the last 12 months. But you look at the share price and think, oh my God, this thing is really deteriorating. But again, to my earlier point, it really just got to the point of one, A, things getting a little bit carried away before, and now B, this thing copping all of the negative sentiment that is out there. It's like that is that is opportunity knocking right there. Um, the hard thing, of course, is even if you're right on that, you'll buy it and it'll still go down another 30% because the moment that you've made that realisation isn't the moment that the wider market comes to see it as well. So you, you kind of have to sort of roll with the punches for a while. But that's that's an interesting setup. I like it. There you go. Our predictions for the year and hopefully some stuff to think about over the weekend, at least until Sunday morning. When, if I'm right, Andrew will rejoin me for a mailbag episode. Oh, 100% love the mailbag episode. We absolutely do. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.